Buenos dias. Good morning, good morning. Love to be here with you guys on Sunday morning. Thank you for watching via YouTube and you guys in the portable. Thank you for your patience, your understanding. I don't have announcement as well when we're going to be moving in, but we are going to be moving in very, very soon. I keep saying that every Sunday because you know what? Every day we get closer to that date. That's all I got to say about that. You know, once in a while, my wife, CJ, and I, we, we think, we sit down, we think back on, on the way we used to live. What I'm talking is about how we were before Christ, or as my wife puts it, B.C. We look back and we think of things that we just say to ourselves, what were we thinking? The way we used to live, what we used to do. And personally, I think to myself, some of the things that I did, bad habits, the way I spoke... Again, I think to myself, wow. But one morning, as I walked into Starbucks, and I saw this man reading his Bible, and I asked him what he was reading, and he showed me on that morning, my life changed completely. As a matter of fact, my life changed radically. And as I look back and I think, what if that sun or that morning wouldn't have come where would I be? Because I needed a change. I mean, I was happy, but I wasn't satisfied. I needed something in my life to change my life. I needed to get rid of habits. I needed to get rid of the way I used to live. Because if that morning wouldn't have happened, I wonder what kind of man I would be. I wonder what kind of husband, friend I would be. But I'm so happy that things changed. What about you guys? Is there anything in your life that you're wanting to change? Knowing that something has to change because the way you're living now cannot go on. Anyone out there feeling this way? Because if that's you, I've got the answer. This is what you need to do. Now, this is deep. This is really, man, this is just thought-provoking. Write this down. To see a radical change, you need to change radically. Wow. To see a radical change, if you want to change something in you, in your life, you need to change radically. And now emphasize you. You can't change the person next to you. You cannot change the circumstances around you if you need to see a radical change, you need to change radically. How? How do we do that? I'm glad you asked. Open up your Bibles to Ephesians as we continue our series on Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to pick up on verse 17. If you don't have a Bible with you, grab one underneath the chair. We are going to have the verses on the screen behind me. I really encourage you again to bring your Bibles so you can take notes, circle, underline, number. I'm a big number guy. It really helps you understand God's word if you're looking at it yourself in the Bible. Now, chapter 4, I love chapter 4. I, I love all the chapters. But chapter 4 takes a little turn. Because from here on out, Paul gets really practical He's going to show us who we are and how we need to live. As a matter of fact, Paul is going to describe from this verse on the new standards that we have in our lives because we have a new life in him. Now, if you recall last week as we opened up chapter 4, Paul urges 
unity. You need unity to have real community. Without real unity, there isn't real community. And today, he's going to specify and talk about purity. Ourselves, we need to have purity in order for us to have unity so we can have real community. That's what we need to do. And we need to be those people because we're new in Jesus Christ. So Paul begins this chapter or this verse of chapter 4 saying this. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds. He begins with this emphatic declaration. And I love the way NIV translates it. This is the way it reads. I tell you this and I insist on the Lord. I'm telling you this, Paul's saying, and the Lord has my back. What is he insisting? That they must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In futility, in uselessness, in emptiness, in worthliness of their minds. Now he's saying, don't walk as the pagans do. The Gentiles were pagans before they became Christians. And he's saying, you're no longer that. You are a Christian. You're a new creation. Live like one. And then he's going to remind us how pagans live, how unbelievers live, those that are apart from God, how they live. Verse 18, look what he says. They are darkened in their understanding. They are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of hearts. He mentions three characteristics of how people that are separated from God live. Three things. He says they have a dark mind. Church, unbelievers are incapable of accepting the things of God. Remember what we read in chapter 2. We were once spiritually dead. We were dead men walking, walking away from God. And that's what Paul is saying. We had a dark mind. I love what he says also in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Look what he says. He says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are folly to him. They are a joke to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Paul writes similarly in Romans 1 verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile. There's that word again. In their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Every single one of us. Before Christ, every single person that is not walking with Christ, has not trusted Jesus Christ, have a darkened heart. And their way of thinking is futile. That was me. My brother-in-law and and sister-in-law became believers before CJ and I did. And I remember they would share nicely in a loving way the gospel. But because of my way of thinking, I'd buck against it. And I remember clearly we, we went to play golf and we came back and we're sitting having lunch. And my brother-in-law was talking about how great his Bible study was and how much he was learning. And I remember telling him, dude, really? The Bible? Are you kidding? It's written by man. How can you believe that? Here I was, an expert on the Bible, and not once had I ever read the Bible. That's how ignorant I was. That's how ignorant we are before Christ. Since then, I've thanked my brother-in-law, 
I've also apologized for my foolish thinking. And that's what Paul says we are before Christ. But not only that, he says we're far from God. An unbeliever is a foreigner. It's not a part of God's family. He says we are alienated because of our ignorance. Peter writes the same thing in 1 Peter 1, verse 14 through 15. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, in their case, the pagans... Those unbelievers, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Why? To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. We all are ignorant. And church, you know what? Sometimes our ignorance comes from what we have been taught. From generation to generation to generation. So we have fallen into this untruth and we are ignorant to the truth. I became a believer before my wife did. And during that time, I would share with my wife the verses, the truth. And she wouldn't accept it as truth. And I remember we argued of what church to go to. And I remember one morning, Sunday morning, before we were off to church. Because one Sunday, we'd go to her church. And one Sunday, we'd go to Grace Bible Church. And I remember one Sunday morning I said, that's it. I'm not no longer going to your church because what they are teaching does not jive with what I'm learning, the truth, the Bible. And she said, I remember clearly, she said, you mean all this time I've been deceived? See, when you're being deceived, you don't know you're being deceived. And again, Paul is saying when we don't have Christ in us, the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, we are ignorant from the truth. Three things Paul mentions. We have a hardened, uh, a hardened heart. We are far from God. And I love this. I'm sorry. We first, first have a dark heart. We're far from God and have a hardened heart. Three things all of us go through. As a matter of fact, this word hardened heart that he mentions in Greek is pronounced porosis, which indicates a petrified, callous, dead heart. I love what a scholar, Mark, Max Turner, writes. He says this, hardness of the heart in the Bible means rebelliousness, which leads to a further darkened understanding as God is displaced. Now listen, is displaced from the central position he should occupy. This in turn leads to failure of the human conscience and the downward spiral in sin. And this is exactly what Paul says happens in the very next verse. Verse 19, look what he says. He says, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Paul is saying the result of our ignorance, the result of furthering ourselves from God, the result of our petrified, hardened heart is that we become callous to sin. We become further and further away from God. And we let the enemy get a stronghold on us. And we go down a spiral destruction. 
not only individually, church, do I see that, but also as our community. Look around. Not only do we not hate sin, we sometimes raise it up. We become callous. It's okay. As long as they're happy, it doesn't matter what they're doing. And this is what Paul is saying happens when we are ignorant. Let me pause here for just a minute. Now, for these past two verses, Paul is warning us. Paul is warning the church at Ephesus not to walk as they used to walk, as pagans still do. Let me go back real quick to verse 17 to emphasize something. Chapter 4, verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles. Apparently some people in the church of Ephesus were backsliding and walking in the way they used to walk. Apparently some people in the church in Ephesus were walking as pagans did. I mentioned this church because none of us are immune from backsliding into our previous habits, the way we used to walk before Christ. I mention this church because it is so important that we come in community, be in unity with each other, to hold each other accountable. If someone starts to backslide, we can come and lovingly bring them back to community. None of us None of us are immune. And, and see, this backsliding, this walking the way we used to walk doesn't happen overnight. They are stages. It usually begins with stubbornness. We don't want to listen. And then what it leads to is the darkness of our mind. We justify things. We justify our actions, our sins. And then that leads to recklessness, to practicing of every kind of impurity. And when we're down that sin, when we backslide into that way of living, we destroy ourselves and the people around us. And Paul is clearly warning you and me. Does any of this sound familiar in your life now? To see a radical change, you need to change radically. To see a radical change, you need to change radically. I know some of you no longer want to live the way you're living. I know some of you are tired and don't know what to do. And you want to change radically. If this is you I'd ask you to come before God and ask for a change of heart, to change your petrified heart, your callous heart, and to remove it. I love, I love what the prophet Ezekiel writes in Ezekiel 36. This is God talking through the prophet. Look what he says. This is a promise from God. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone, that petrified, the callous heart from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Paul, what he's going to do now, he's going to begin the next verse, verse 20, with a contrast. Look what he says. But, that's a contrast. That is not the way you learn Christ. That's not the life for you. That's not how you learn him. That's not who you are anymore, is what he's saying. Your mind should no longer be darkened. 
your mind, your life should no longer be alienated from, heart, from God, and your heart should no longer be petrified, is what Paul is saying. He says, but that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming, he says, verse 21, assuming, I hope is what he's saying. Assuming that you heard about him, taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus. Three things Paul is saying that he hopes so, that he assumes. He says, assuming that you learned Christ. What is he saying? He's saying not just to know about him, it's know him. Assuming that you do have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that you learned him, that you live like he lived, to imitate him. That's what he's saying. I love what John 13, 15 says. This is Jesus speaking. This is what he says. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Learning Christ is not just learning about the doctrines. It's knowing him, living them out. That's what Paul is saying. Basically saying, don't just say you're a Christian. Live like one. He also says, assuming you heard about him. It's not just believing, it's responding. That's what he's saying. Christ is a teacher to learn from and to respond to. Church, believing and trusting in Jesus Christ isn't it. We need to be discipled. We need to be sanctified. We need to mature in Christ every day, being more like him, serving. It's not just believing and not responding. It's not just cruising like if everything is okay after we trust Jesus Christ. No, we need to respond to his call. Assuming that you heard from him. It's living out the Great Commission. And I'll remind you what the Great Commission is. Matthew 28, 19. Go. Move, responds, is what Jesus is saying. Therefore, and make disciples. There's the action. Make disciples of all nations. Baptizing, another response, another action. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them. There's movement. There's actions. They're responding to Christ. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Paul is saying, I assume that you learned him. I assume that you heard about him. But he also says that you have been taught in the truth. He's assuming that we are responding to the truth. You know what the truth is, church? Jesus. Jesus is the truth. And that's what he says in John 14, 16. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Again, like we spoke about last week, we need to be careful who we are being taught from. We need to be careful who we are following. If anyone is teaching you something that is different from the truth, run. We need to only obey the truth, which is Jesus what is the truth of our new life in Christ consist of? Paul is now going to mention three things in the very next verse. Verse 22. Look what he says. Three things. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to the second thing, to renew your minds in the spirit. 
Third thing, to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. I'm going to say it again because we need to hear it and we need to live it. To see a radical change, you need to change radically. Will you repeat that with me? Need to change. Something needs to change. How? Here's the answer. Paul just gave us three ways to have that radical change within us. The first thing he says, to put off your old self. Die to yourself. You're no longer that person. Die to your lustful passions, your way of thinking. I love what he writes in Galatians 5.24. He says this, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Paul, I don't have this on the, on the screen, but remember what he says. And that's what we say when someone is baptized. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old has gone. The old is dead. You are no longer that person. To see a radical change, you need to change radically. How? He tells us renewing your mind with the Holy Spirit. Church, we need to be a light in a dark community. We need to be different. Unfortunately, unfortunately we're not. Nowadays, we can't tell believers with non-believers. Nowadays, we can't tell Christians and pagans. Unfortunately, we're living in a society where Christians are conforming more and more to this world and not the other way around. I want to remind us of Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That is by testing, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Church, to see a radical change, you need to change radically. How? Putting on your new self. That's how. Your new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Next week, he's going to tell us, Paulus, how we put on our new selves. Drastic, radical change needs to occur. You know, it was really radical that over 2,000 years, over 2,000 years, Jesus stepped out of heaven. God sent his son to change this world radically. Now think about it for just a minute. Just, if you can comprehend this, the creator of all the world, God, the king of kings, stepped out into the sinful world. That's radical. But not only that, think about this. Jesus, God in flesh, lived a perfect life. Not once sinning. A sinless man dying for a sinful mankind. That's radical. But I'm not done. The gospel, the gospel is radical. Jesus proclaimed the gospel and it turned the world upside down. It changed the world radically. Why is it so radical? Now think. Because we can't earn our salvation. There's nothing you and I could ever do. It's just trusting Jesus Christ. We've been saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. When we believe what he did on the cross and he rose again on the third day, we believe in our hearts. We are forgiven. That's radical. Let's say it again. 
see a radical change. You, you need to change radically. Not the person next to you. Not that person that's sitting at home that you're wishing that he or she were here. It needs to start with you. You need to change something radically. Imagine. Imagine if you did. If you did change your life radically. I can tell you what would happen. Your your life would change radically once Jesus was in your heart, truly in your heart. It would change radically. And this would happen. I guarantee it. You'd be a new person, a new creation, walking truly in a manner worthy of our calling. That's what changed my life. Jesus. And only He can do it. Not only imagine how your change will, your life will change personally and in your family. Imagine if all of us as a community in unity change radically. Imagine if we all died to self. Imagine if daily we were renewed by the Holy Spirit. Imagine if we were serving one another. Imagine if we were truly living in Jesus Christ. I can only imagine what would happen. And I know that if we do, and when we will, Laredo is going to see a radical change that is going to change Laredo radically. That's why we exist, church. That's what God is calling us to do. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much who you are. I thank you for the fact that you don't just sit back and let us just live. I thank you that you discipline us. I thank you that you want us not to be happy but to be holy. So, Father, work within us changes radically so the world can see a radical change in us and when they do when we're a light to this darkened community and when they ask how we say one thing and one thing only Jesus Father I pray that we continue to be that church your church Grace Bible Church that hears your word acts your word lives your word and is truly in love with your son Jesus. I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. I love you church. Have a great week.